everyone and welcome to episode 14 of the Luna's Galaxy podcast. My name is Emmy, but you can also call me Luna and I'll be the host of this show. The Luna's Galaxy podcast goes live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast services on Tuesday every two weeks. And for this episode, we have three segments, gaming news, what I've been playing, and the questions segment. Before we get started, if you would like to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would very much appreciate it. I will read it on the show. Um, if you would like to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me. Um, you can also uh, rate the podcast on Spotify as well, so do that. <laughs> or like the video on YouTube, or subscribe on YouTube, whatever you want. Um, help. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm like half joking, but um, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, so my one year of Twitch affiliate anniversary is coming up. Um, I recently passed my one year just kind of Twitch anniversary in general. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. But my one year affiliate anniversary is coming up on the 28th of January, which I'm very excited about. And to celebrate this occasion, um, I'm going to be having a special stream on January 29th. So not the 28th, but the 29th because that falls on a Saturday. It just works better for me. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to be doing some special streams on, um, January 29th, and I will be sure to keep you guys updated on that. Um, if you want to know more about my sort of stream plans for, j just in general, but also about this, uh, one-year affiliate anniversary stream, um, be sure to join the Discord server, the Luna's Galaxy Discord server, um, or follow me on Twitter, I'll keep all updated on there as well. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm looking forward to it, I think it will be fun fun stream <laughs> if you would if you would like to hang out with me and celebrate but anyway let's talk about gaming news there is not much gaming news um I think just because it's like kind of early in the year it's a bit slower but yeah there's really not much um other than just like nft stuff you know um so the first story is that Konami is doing nfts now and this this happened Around the time that the last episode came out, like, not long... So this is, like, a bit of an older story, I, I think. Um, but they were doing some Castlevania NFTs. But actually, right before I decided to record the episode today, I saw that one of the Castlevania NFTs today sold for, I think it was $26,000. So it's, just, it's like, depressing, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't want to talk about NFTs anymore on the podcast. Like, I'm, I'm so sick of it. And, like, there have been other NFT stories other than the Konami one. Um, but I just don't want to talk about them. Like, genuinely, like, the most that I want to say is just fuck NFTs. I'm so tired of them. Um, they're bad for the environment. I feel like they're just bad for the industry as a whole. It, and, like, I, I it, it blows my mind how all these companies are getting into NFTs and I know it's for like the rich people. I know it's for maybe investors. I don't know, but like the general public, like gamers fucking hate them. <laughs> like it just, it feels bad. It feels bad, man. But I think when they came out with the Castlevania NFTs, they said something about doing it for more of their series or I don't even know if they said this, but this was something that was going on. And of, of course, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh my God, what if we get like Dance Dance Revolution NFTs? Like we all know Dance Dance Revolution is dead, unfortunately, um, just like pretty much every other Konami IP, but like, oh my, that would, that would hurt. I don't, that's a story that I hope I don't need to cover <laughs> on the podcast. Like I want a new DDR game. I don't want, I don't want NFTs, but you know what? One of them's a lot more likely than the other, unfortunately. So here we are. <laughs> um, so the next story is that E3's in-person event is canceled for 2022. And this is not a surprise at all. Um, however, when the headline first came out about this, like on Twitter was where I saw it. And, you know, just, you know, I was seeing shit about it. And the reason that the ESA, so the ESA is the, I don't know what you'd call it, like organization, group, I don't know, the people that put on E3, um, the reasoning that they gave for E3 2022 in-person event being canceled was to, uh, something about Omicron, you know, s stop the spread, slow the spread, the safety of everyone, and, like, right away I was like, that's bullshit, <laughs> like, it doesn't take an expert to figure that out, because we're in January right now, E3 is not until June, um, there are a lot of other events happening, you know, in, like, March that haven't been canceled yet. 
And, you know, we don't know what where the world is going to be at in June. It Like, that's obviously not the reason why they are canceling E3. At least to me, like, when I saw those headlines, I was like, that is, <laughs> that is definitely not true. Um, this is not because of Omicron. Um, and I think I did, I, I either saw or I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about it. How, like, yes, this is, this is not because of Omicron, which is not surprising at all. But honestly, it's, it's almost surprising that that was the reason that they gave. Because it's really obvious, I think, to a lot of us that E3 is dying, you know, if you pay atten- a lot of attention to the industry. Um, like, last year with the in-person, or the online event, I should say. And just E3 in general these past couple years, there's been a lot of conversation about, like, do we need E3 anymore? And what is the future of E3? And it just... Like, this is not because of Omicron, but I'm really, I don't know how I feel about this because I think we all really like E3, um, at least, you know, watching all the showcases, all the presentations, getting these new game announcements, all kind of condensed into, like, one week or a few days, um, I think is really great, and I think we all love it. (laughs) Um, So I don't want to see it go, but at the same time, like, you look at, you know, last year's E3, and God knows what's going to be, like, this year. Like, E3 last year was, it was okay. Like, a lot of the conferences and showcases were not very strong, but there was some good ones. But it didn't have the same feeling that it had, you know, in previous years, where it just feels like everyone's doing their own separate thing. There's no sort of unified, unified something. I don't know the word I'm looking for here. But I don't want to see E3, like, completely go away. I don't know if they actually confirmed that there will be an online event, but I assume there is going to be. Um, I feel like at this point, E3 is just dying a very slow death. (laughs) Um, And you hate to see it. Like, obviously, I don't think anyone wants that. But I don't know. I don't know. And I'm, I'm curious to see what Summer Games Fest will be like this year. I have really mixed feelings, I feel like, on it all. And I feel like we're just in this weird state in the industry right now where it's like E3 has been this sort of pillar in the industry for many, many years. Um, We all know what to expect from it. It's, you know, same time every year, whatever. And that's really been changing lately. And I I, I just, I wonder, like, is Summer Games Fest the future? Because I don't think it is. (laughs) Like, as much as I I appreciate Jeff Keighley and I appreciate what he does in the industry, I don't really know if Summer Games Fest is sort of the answer to, you know, E3 dying, basically. Or just where this industry is going, because it's, like I said, it's not really unified anymore. Everyone is doing their own events ever since sort of live streaming has become more popular in these Nintendo Direct-style presentations. There isn't really a need to get a bunch of people in a room and, you know, spend a lot of money (laughs) to put on these big conferences or whatever. There's just not much incentive for it anymore, other than, I guess, the feeling that it gives people, um, the people that are in the in-person event. But, um, yeah, it's really weird, but I just, it's not because of Omicron, it's just because of the state of E3 in general. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to see what, what we're going to, because obviously we're going to hear more about E3 in these next couple months, probably until E3, (laughs) But I'm, I'm curious to hear more about what this online event will be like, if it's going to be different from last year, you know, what companies will be involved, will there be less than last year, will there be more, will there be, like, E3, like, hosts like there was last year, I have no idea, I have no idea what's going to happen, kind of sucks, and, like, granted, <laughs> if in, like, April we had this story, I'd be like, yeah, you know, if Omicron's still not under control, then, like, yeah, we're canceling E3, but the fact that we're hearing, that we're hearing about this in January is just like, mm, like it feels worse because it's obviously not because of the pandemic, at least not because of this new outbreak as of now. But anyway, let's move on. So there was a story that came out and that said that basically said that Mario Kart Nine is reportedly in development with a new twist. Um, and there's obviously a lot of talk on Twitter about what this new twist could be. Um, the one that I've been seeing the most has been, you know, Nintendo Kart instead of Mario Kart, and I don't really know how I feel about that. Like, I think Mario Kart is fine (laughs) how it is, which is, and you know, even Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, like, you have Animal Crossing characters, you have Link, I think you have, like, the Splatoon characters, like, like, you can add in, you know, other Nintendo IP characters, and even, you know, tracks, races, into Mario Kart, and I think it works fine. But I think if you made it in general more of a Nintendo cart, 
like that feels more like it's for a hardcore audience than just Mario Kart and Mario Kart is not a hardcore thing. Am I like explaining this right? Like I feel like Nintendo Kart might appeal to hardcore gamers, but if you're looking at the casual market, and this is just my opinion, but the casual market, which Mario Kart obviously appeals to, people are going to look at it and they're going to be like, oh, like, like say they cut a bunch of Mario characters to add in more Nintendo characters. Like, are they going to be like, oh, like where's baby Mario? Like, <laughs> like that's the character that my son loves to play as or something. Um, I don't think it's going to be Nintendo Kart. And I think if we ever did get Nintendo Kart, it would be very separate from Mario Kart for that reason. Um, but yeah, I don't, I would be shocked if they did Nintendo Kart. I think you could see a bit more of Nintendo IPs in there, kind of like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But honestly, I don't know if I'd add like any more than is already in 8 Deluxe, if that makes sense. But yeah, as for like what else the twist could be, I'm really not sure. Um, the first thing that came to my mind was like, yo, remember Crash Tag Team Racing for the PlayStation 2 where you could merge the cars and then you could shoot at the other cars? Like, of course, that's what I want. I really like Crash Tag Team Racing. I really enjoy the shooting in that game. Is that like a weird sentence to say? I don't know. Um, but that's like, I'd be down, but I, I severely doubt that's what they're going to do. So yeah, like, I'm curious, very curious. Um, maybe we'll hear more about it, maybe we won't. Because <laughs> I think the article did say that we're probably going to hear more about it this year, but, you know, it, eh, eh, eh. anyway. <laughs> um, the last story, because like I said, there's really not much. This was just a thing that I saw on Twitter. It was an article that came out about these video game company CEOs and the amount of money that they're making. And um, the specific headline that I seen on the tweet was that Bobby Kotick... CEO of Activision, I'm sure we're all familiar with him at this point, he earns 1,560 times the average salary of, like, Activision employees. And he earns, wait for this, <laughs> this, is, this is what they said, this is what I said, this is what they said, is that he earns 77000 $77,306 on average per hour. Like, no one, no one needs that amount of, like, like, <laughs> like, I'm at a loss for words. A lot of people make less than that in a year. That is more than a lot of people's salaries. Maybe even most people. Like, uh, 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 $77,000 an hour? Anyway, um, that just, <laughs> it stood to me. And I, I clicked on their little website thing where they had all this. And, um, he's, like, at the top of a lot of these video game CEOs, but there was one guy that was above him that was making even more money, but a lot of them were below, but a lot of them are still making, like, astronomical amounts of money, and, I mean, I, I mean, I guess this is gaming news, but it feels more just like my, like, anti-capitalist rant, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, it's just mind-blowing, and, you know, especially with all the stuff coming out about Activision, which I think is why, obviously, they focused on Bobby Kotick, because we all know him and we all know the shit that Activision's going through right now. But, um, it, it's just mind-blowing. I, uh, it hurts my head, honestly. So, um, just some consciousness raising for us all. Yeah. Fuck capitalism. Uh, like, how do you even fix things like this? <laughs> It, like, it can feel very bad when you read shit like this, but, um, yeah, just, just something to remember that some of these video game CEOs are making more per hour than we will ever make in a year, and then, obviously, if you take that into, like, a salary, they're making, like, hundreds of millions of dollars that most of us won't see in a lifetime per year. Anyway, <sighs> there wasn't much news. Um, uh, so let's talk about what I've been playing. So, I finished Tales of Arise. I finished the main, you know, story, plot, whatever, of Tales of Arise. I really liked it. I really liked the characters in Tales of Arise. I can't remember how much I've already said on the podcast about it, but I know I have talked about it. I really like the main cast. Um, I know I've talked about, like, Xion and Alfen, and, um, they're sort of, they're, um, voice actors, the voice performance that, like, Ray Chase, and oh my god, I can't remember Xion's voice actress's name, but they're both wonderful. They do a fantastic job. Honestly, all the other voice actors as well do a pretty good job, but yeah. 
Um, I really like, like the cast of this game. They all feel very good. And this might be a weird thing to say, but, like, I find sometimes, like, romances in games, especially when they are, like, I don't want to say straight, like, <laughs> but when you can tell that they're, like, going for, like, a canon straight romance, like, I find a lot of the time there isn't always that much chemistry or development. It's just kind of, like, you know... A man and a woman, they are obviously a couple. Like, you do see that sometimes. Just in media in general, you kind of see that. Um, but I really like the sort of couples in this game. And only, I mean, they're not like canon canon, but they're like they're canon. You know what I mean? And I really like their sort of dynamics with each other, I guess. Um, so, like, the standalone characters as well are just good in their own right. And they all have, like, good character development as well as something that I've noticed. You know, they all have their quirks, they all have their strengths and weaknesses, and they talk about it. And I don't know, I really like the characters in Tales of Arise. Um, there's just, especially a lot of the side content really builds upon the characters. Like, it's, it, it is in the main story as well, but, um, if you do some of the side quests, if you just, um, if you're, you know, you're camping out, you're resting and you talk to one of your uh, party members before you go to bed for the night. The conversations you have there as well build a lot of character. Um, and I really like it. Um, the game is a bit long. I will say the game is a bit long. I think it took me around 50 hours to complete um, the main story. And I was doing side content alongside that. Because I remember I went on like how long to beat.com. <laughs> and it said main story 40 hours. But it took me like 50, maybe a bit longer. So, like, I was doing side content before um, I, like, did all the main story stuff. But, yeah, that's it. And, like, it's a good length. I think it could have been a bit shorter, but here's one thing I will applaud it for, is that even though I feel like this game could have been shorter, it also didn't really feel like there was any filler, if that makes sense. Because um, I kind of went on this rant the other day <laughs> on Twitter about how I don't think games need to be, like, long. Especially, like, RPGs, because... I feel like a lot of people have this idea that RPGs have to be like 100 hours long or they are shit. And I think that's obviously do a lot because Persona. <laughs> um, but, you know, in general, I think people really want these longer games and that's okay. But um, personally, I think, you know, long games are fine. But if there's a lot of filler content, then like we don't need it. Just make it into side content. I think Tales of Arise does that very well. Um, nothing in the main story feels like it is filler at least to me it didn't maybe there's people that disagree I don't know but I remember when I played Final Fantasy VII Remake and I love that game I even like it more than Tales of Arise but when I was playing that game there are some chapters where I'm playing it and I'm like oh my god <laughs> like you can tell this was thrown in to extend the playtime and obviously it's a lot more obvious in that case because I've already played the original Final Fantasy VII. I know what was in the original. I know what wasn't. I know what was originally 10 minutes in the original that was, you know, expanded to be like an hour to two hours in the remake. So it is a bit different. But, you know, I remember playing that game and there are just moments where it's like, okay, this dungeon could have been a lot shorter. You know, maybe we wouldn't cut it entirely, but we could have cut like a good half hour, 45 minutes from it. And then there are just some parts where it's like this, we just, we just didn't need this. <laughs> and like, it's fine. I, I enjoy it. I like the gameplay. I like the environments. I like the characters. So, you know, whatever more content I can get in Seven Remake, I'm going to enjoy. But like, I'm also aware that there's a lot of filler in that. Maybe not a lot of filler, but like there is filler in that game. Whereas with Tales of Arise, I didn't really feel that way. And like I said, this, there's, there's, there's a lot of side content in this game. And I also really appreciate that because it's like you play the main story. There's no really filler in the main story. At least, like I said, at least not that I think there is. Um, but then if you want to play the game more, there's a bunch of side content that you can do. And I think some of the side content could have been in the main story, <laughs> like to be completely honest, because there is some side quests that really sort of tie into certain characters like development. But I, I, I appreciate and at the same time, I'm like, why wasn't this in the main story? But then I'm also like you know, not everyone wants to do those things that I want to do. Um, you know, if it should feel more like, a, oh, like, I want to do this. I'm in really, I'm really invested in this game. I want to play it more. Let's do these side quests. Whereas if it was in the main story, maybe, you know, that would be the filler. That would be where it started to drag. And so that's one thing I really applaud Tales of Arise for. The side content is so much fun. 
if you want to go out and explore that, but it's not, it's not integrated into the main story. You don't have to do it, um, which is something I really like. <laughs> um, it just works really well for me. And the side content is like very rewarding, not just like, you know, you get new equipment, although that is one thing that I really love, but like you can also get like new outfits, you know, get all that aesthetics. And there's also, like I said, some character development moments, um, a bit more story stuff, but more so focused on characters and then like some new areas. There's actually a lot of new areas and then obviously like more fun bosses and gameplay and stuff. And I, I just, I really, I really enjoy it. And so I'm hoping to get the platinum. Um, I, I think I have a few more side quests to do, but I'm at like level 85 or something like I'm getting there. So yeah, once I get that platinum, I'll probably start last window on the DS, which I've talked about a bit on here. It's the sequel to Hotel Dusk, which is my favorite game of 2021, even though it didn't come out in 2021. It was my favorite game that I played. So I'm very excited about that. But yeah, Tales of Rise is really good. I would recommend it to literally anyone that is into JRPGs. I think it is just such a good game. Um, and I, I just, it's so, it's so good. Like, like, I feel like I have more to say about it, but at the same time, I don't. But definitely check it out if you're at all interested in JRPGs. And even if you've never played a Tales game, um, I would really recommend starting with this one. I feel like it is, I have, and I've said this before, I feel like it is just perfection of the Tales of series and just the structure of it and the gameplay and the mechanics of it all. Um, I think even if you personally prefer the story or characters from another game, I just think that this has been brought together so well. Obviously, it's a beautiful game but also just, it, it, it's just good. <laughs> it's a good game is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, play Tales of Rise if you're interested. Um, I also played Bratz Rock Angels for the PlayStation 2. Um, I streamed it and it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I don't really know how much I have to say, but that was a lot of fun to stream. Um, and the VODs are on YouTube if you would like to watch it. Um, it was kind of cursed, but yeah. <laughs> I'm probably gonna play more of the Bratz games on stream because honestly, they're really funny. But um, let's move on from that, shall we? <laughs> I also streamed Sayonara Wild Hearts. And this is a short game. Um, I think it took me about an hour and a half. I think the stream was a bit longer because I was having some just chatting moments where I don't even remember what we were talking about. But um, <laughs> I, I tend to ramble sometimes. So yeah, not all of the stream was spent playing the game. But I played Sayonara Wild Hearts. I played it on Steam. And, um, this is a, like, I don't think I've ever played a game like this. Um, it is visually beautiful and I don't really know how to describe the gameplay because going into it, I thought it was a rhythm game, but it's not really. I don't know how to explain it. Look up a video of it. <laughs> um, and this game came out a few years ago. I remember hearing about it, but I never got to playing it. And it's, there's some like sensory overload moments, like, by the time I finished playing the game, I was like, okay, I think I need to lay down because <laughs> it was just like, it's a lot to take in, but the music is really good in it and it's very fast paced. I think that's kind of why I was overwhelmed with it. Um, it's very fast paced, but it is so gorgeous and just the aesthetics, the visuals, the music, it, the, I, I don't know if atmosphere is the right word, but it's a very beautiful game and kind of how I was describing it on stream was that it feels more like an experience than a video game, if that makes sense. Um, like, I don't know if I'll, uh, if I'll ever go back to it and, like, you know, whatever. But I'm very glad I got to experience it just because it feels so much different than anything else I've played. So, like, if that, if that sounds interesting to you, then, like, check it out. Also, Queen Latifah? I had no idea going into this that Queen Latifah was in it. I mean, she's not, like, in it, in it. But, like, she voice acts in it. She's the narrator. I remember when I was streaming it, um, I was, like, booting up before I started, and I was listening to, like, the intro thing, and I was like, huh, whoever this, like, voice actress is, she sounds like Queen Latifah. <laughs> she, like, she sounds a lot like Queen Latifah, and then when I was streaming it, um, Ben was like, did you know Queen Latifah's? And I'm like, what? I'm like, that's her? Uh, that was just wild to me, because, like, Sinar Wild Hearts isn't, like, this big game. <laughs> it's not, like, a triple-A video game, right? But, um, it, it was a really cool experience. So, yeah. <laughs> and then I also started Tales of Symphonia. That's my new stream game, at least for a while. Um, 
because I, I want to play more Tales games because I really love Tales of Arise, obviously. And I didn't know this until I asked y'all on Twitter. I was like, I want to play more Tales games. What one should I play? And a lot of people said Tales of Symphonia. And this wasn't one that was on my radar. The ones that were on my radar were um, Vesperia and uh, Berseria. Br- Br- I don't I don't remember how to say it, but it's the one that starts with the B. <laughs> and they were really just on my radar because, like, I've seen them on, like, the Nintendo eShop or, you know, PSN, whereas I hadn't really seen Symphonia anywhere. Um, so, you know, it's just how it is. Like, I'm more familiar with seeing the other ones on sale. <laughs> but a lot of y'all recommended Tales and Symphonia, and I didn't realize that that was, like, such a popular Tales game. Um, so I started it on stream, and I didn't get too far into it. I cleared like, the first two-ish hours of it up to the point where, like, you leave the town. And, you know, it's it's definitely an older game. <laughs> um, I think one of the weirdest things is that, like, the skits are just kind of, like, auto... They, they're, like, automatically just done. But, like, they're not voice acted. But, like, I... So I have to read them. And they're not voice acted. But, like, I can't, like, hit the button to... um to be like, okay, I read this, time for the next line. It's like, it just goes. Like, if you don't read it fast enough, then like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> you can slow it down, I think, in the settings, but I didn't do that. Like, it's a good pace for me, but it's it's, it's a decision. Um, the gameplay is fine. Obviously, it's older, like I said, um, and I still have to get used to it. I feel like once I get used to it more, it might be better. But yeah, but it, I really, I really love the music in it so far. And obviously the visuals are older as well, but it, like, it looks very cute. I don't know. (laughs) Like, it almost reminds me of Final Fantasy IX in some ways, just, like, with the aesthetics and how I like it. I don't know. Um, And one thing I've noticed is that, and this is only two hours into the game, so obviously this probably changes, or maybe it, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But it feels like it's, like, a mesh of a lot of different JRPGs. So for those of you that don't know anything about Tales of Symphonia, um, there's this chosen one and she has to go on this adventure, basically. And it's it's very similar to Final Fantasy X, if you ever played Final Fantasy X, where, you know, there's Yuna, and she has to save Spira and defeat Sin, or what, I can't remember. It's been a while since I played Final Fantasy X. But um, Tales of Symphonia is doing a very, very similar thing, where, like, it's not the main character, but it's, you know, this girl who's the chosen one that's going to save the world, and, you know, she's being guided on this adventure by this other, you know, the party of characters, so it was giving Final Fantasy X. <laughs> and I don't know if I should say, I mean, it's an old game. It's not really spoilers. It's two hours into the game. Um, but then uh, the town lights on fire. And I was like, oh, this is giving like Nibelheim Final Fantasy VII, which is a bit of a stretch. I'm not gonna lie. It's a bit of a stretch. You can have fires in video games without it being a direct reference to Final Fantasy VII. Um, but then... And this wasn't one that I caught on to because I've never played, I think it was Secret of Mana that Ben said, but Ben caught on to this where um, there was also like some Secret of Mana stuff that was, that was in that game and that is like very similar to stuff that happens in Tales of Symphonia in the beginning. So I don't know if that's going to continue throughout the game or if it kind of forms more of its own identity <laughs> throughout, throughout the game, but it, it, I, I thought it was interesting just in my first time playing it. I'm like, I recognize a lot of what's going on here. These sort of, these tropes and these story decisions. So yeah. And I mean, let's not pretend like all JRPGs are completely original. But I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting how much of this I was like, this seems familiar. Um, but I mean, in that same vein, there was things in Tales of Symphonia where I was like, oh, they kind of did this in Tales of Arise as well. So like, mm. <laughs> It's like they're still using stuff from Tales of Symphonia and Tales of Arise, kind of. Like, obviously, it's not the same universe, but very similar sort of um, things. I don't, I don't know how in deep I want to, in depth, in deep, in depth I want to go into it, but um, I, I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, I've been playing a lot of games lately, by the way. That's why we don't have a topic of the show, because I ha- I, I'm talking about a lot of games. But I've also been playing <laughs> Dance Dance Revolution Max. So this is the newest Dance Dance Revolution game that I got. And I could be wrong, but I think it was the first one that was on the PlayStation 2. I'm not 100% sure about that, but that's just kind of like my guess based on the visuals and just like how it is set up. But yeah, I think it was the first one that was on the PlayStation 2, at least in America, in the North America, whatever you want to say. 
and I think it's really good so far. Um, there is obviously some dated stuff in it. Okay, yeah, this is definitely the first one that was on the PlayStation 2 because there isn't a beginner mode or challenge mode, whereas all the other games have that. So yeah, this is the first one for sure. So the, obviously the first thing I noticed in this was that there are only three difficulties. There's only light, standard, and heavy, um, or expert, or, you know, they kind of renamed the difficulties throughout the games. But um, there isn't a beginner mode and there isn't any challenge mode. And also, <laughs> you can't change the difficulties, like, in between songs. So, like, you know, DDR, you do, like, three songs, and then, like, that's sort of your round, if you want to, like, put it that way. I don't really know terminology. So, like, if you click light at the beginning, then those three songs that are, that you're doing are all going to be on light mode, or if you go on standard, all those three songs are going to be standard. There's no way, at least not that I'm aware of, to, you know, do one song light, do one mo do one song uh, standard, and kind of switch around like there are in, you know, every other DDR game that I've played is like that. Whereas this one, you can't, <laughs> you can't change it around, which can be kind of frustrating because sometimes I'll do like one song on standard and then I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I want to do one on light, but obviously I have to do three in a row for this one, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, one thing that really stands out about this game though, is that I really like the song list on it so far. Um, so I'm like really glad that I got it. Um, there's Darude Sandstorm. <laughs> Um, and also, like, I like to move it, move it, which is, you know, great. I find the Western songs in this one are good, like, obviously those two. Um, I don't, I can't remember if there's any other ones, but it's a lot of, like, the original Konami songs, which are the songs that I really like in my DDR games. And, you know, as the DDR games sort of got, as I started making more on the PS2, there were more of those Western songs that were just, like, bad remixes. <laughs> Um, like, you have some good ones, like, Supernova has Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy, which is obviously a really good fit, but then, you know, you have, like, a really bad remix of Come Clean, which I think is by Hilary Duff, I can't remember exactly, but it's a really bad remix, it's not the Hilary Duff version, it's, like, a cover, it's bad, and it's just, like, why is this even here? Like, I know you're trying to get more Western songs to appeal to that Western audience, but it's not good, um, whereas DDR Max, there really isn't much of that, and, you know, some of the Western songs I do have in there are, like, really good fits. I'm really going on about DDR right now. I'm so sorry if you're, like, not interested in DDR. Like, I'm sure most of you aren't. And, you know, there are, like, other good fits. Like, Extreme 2 has Get Busy by Sean Paul. Oh, my God. Supernova 2 has He Said, She Said by Ashley Tisdale, which is, like, perfect. <laughs> At least for me, it is. So, like, there are good Western songs in DDR games, but there's also a lot of, like, bad ones. So that was one thing that really stood out to me about DDR Max is that there's a lot of those, like, Konami original songs and, you know, just shit that doesn't feel like it's just put in there to appeal to a wider American audience, which I really like because those are the songs that I enjoy the most. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all I really had to say about DDR Max. But yeah, I just got it and I'm really liking it. I'm gonna play more of it. Yeah. And I have one more. <laughs> so... I've talked about this a bit on here, but it's not something I talk about much, but I play a lot of mobile gotcha games. That, that might be weird. I'm sure a lot of you aren't into that, <laughs> similar to DDR, but I do. I play a lot of mobile gotcha games. That's like my, it's like a routine of mine. Like I'm sure there are some people that like wake up and they play like Animal Crossing, whereas for me, it's my silly little mobile games. Um, I play a lot of Love Live All Stars, a lot of Bandory Girls Band Party. I think that's what the full name is. <laughs> and, you know, just other stuff, but those are the two big ones, but I found another one that I really like, so this one is called Colorful Stage, and I think it might also be called, like, Project Sekai in Japanese, I'm not entirely sure about that, but I've seen some people call it that, so I'm just going to assume that, you know, Colorful Stage is the translated version, whereas maybe the Japanese app is called Project Sekai, I don't know, but it's, like, Vocaloid, it's, like, Hatsune Miku, <laughs> and, um, I really like it so far, so if anyone's familiar with uh, Bandori Girls Band Party. It's very similar in structure to that game where there's, you know, it's a rhythm game, there's gotcha elements, but there's also, you know, story, there's events. Um, you can kind of, like, have the touch it, like, you touch it, and then <laughs> there's, like, these little conversations between, like, two or three characters that, you know, aren't in, like, the main story, but they're just kind of, like, vibing. So it's very similar to Bandori, like, structurally. It's extremely similar to that. But obviously, there's these new characters, it's Vocaloid music, but it's it's so cool! <laughs> like, I really love it. It's a really beautiful game as well. 
Like, just the visuals are stunning. And I it's also, like, fairly new. At least the English version is. Because I was just looking for, like, games to download one day. Because I've been waiting for Ensemble Stars. Um, that recently got announced to have an English uh, localization translation. Which I've been waiting for for many years. But I was getting impatient. And so I was like, I want a new, like, rhythm game to play. A new mobile rhythm gacha game that suits my standards. And I found Colorful Stage. And I was like, I'm not really one to dabble in Vocaloid. But I think that, you know, we'll take a chance on it. And it is so good. It is so good. Like, I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. And so it has six main groups, kind of similar to Bandori as well. And they all sort of have their own aesthetics. Like, there's one that's very similar to Happy Hello World, where they're very, you know, cheerful. It's almost like carnival, like circus themed. Um, there's another one that's like really depressing <laughs> and like antisocial vibes. And they, it's, they're called like Night Chord. Is that the name of the band or is that, I don't know. But Night Chord, which is, like, Discord, I guess, and, at like, 25, which is, like, at 1 a.m., it's, that's their, like, band name. And there's one where it's kind of similar to Afterglow and Bandory, where, you know, it's this group of childhood friends that form a band, um, then there's, like, an idol group, um, and then, you know, there's other groups, <laughs> but it's, it's getting harder to describe them. But it's very interesting, and one thing, why I didn't think I would like this is because I tend to be kind of put off by Vocaloid songs, because obviously the vocals, they are virtual singers, so it sounds different. And I did listen to some Vocaloid when I was like, I don't know, like 12, but not much of it. I, I dabbled in it, if you want to say that, but never got into it too much. And so that was one, that's why I didn't think I was going to really vibe with it. Um, but I really like the original characters that are, you know, in these bands that are not virtual singers, and like... The, some of the songs are so good <laughs> like like I feel like I've been missing out because I am they are so good <laughs> and one thing I do really like about uh, Colorful Stage is that it's not just the Vocaloids doing it which is obviously like the most popular versions of these songs I would assume is the version that like Hatsune Miku does but um for Colorful Stage the original characters uh their voice actors or like Sayus or whatever you want to say um, they're singing it as well. So it is like human vocals, <laughs> which personally I enjoy more. And not every song has that, but some of them do. I just, it's, it's really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep at it. It's like a new game in my rotation. So now I have three games that I play religiously every day. That might sound kind of bad, but like, it, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But yeah, if you are also like into mobile games, if you like Vocaloid, if you like rhythm games, I would recommend checking it out. Obviously, there is gotcha elements, which I know can be a huge turnoff to some people, and rightfully so, especially if you are someone that, you know, might be tempted to put money into it. Um, I feel very grateful and privileged that I've never really gotten into that. I've never put a lot of, like, I'm content being a free-to-play player. I don't really get that temptation to spend money, and like, I have put some money into uh, these games before, but, like, honestly, the combined amount is lower than $100, and that's over literal years of playing these games, so, like, it is what it is. But, yeah, definitely don't, like, put yourself in danger to play this game, like, financially, but if, like, it is a, a game that is safe for you to play and it sounds fun, like, definitely check it out. I'm just, I'm loving it. It's been a while since I've had, like, a new game to play in this way, because obviously, you know, the original Love Live Skeletal Festival, um, I started playing that when I was, like, god, I was still in high school, I think it might have been, like, grade 10 or something, so, like, it's been a while, and then, like, Love Live All-Stars is, I mean, it's not old, but it's not new either, same with Bandori, like, they're, they're not new, um, but this one isn't, like, this new shiny thing, and I'm, I've been going on about it for a while, <laughs> I know a lot of you don't care, <laughs> but this is my podcast, so I will do what I want. But those are all the games that I've been playing. So like, there's been a lot in a very short amount of time, but yeah, I've, I've like really enjoyed a lot of them. So hell yeah. <laughs> um, so let's move on to the questions segment. So the question that I had for y'all this week, or well, this episode, I always say this week, but like it's this episode, not this week. It's every two weeks, but anyway, for this episode, is what are some games you're looking forward to playing in 2022? And I told y'all, I said, this doesn't mean a game that is coming out in 2022. Because similar to the Luna's Galaxy Game Awards, 
I realize that there are many of us that are not going to be playing many games like day one or the year that they come out. And whether it's for financial reasons or that you just don't have the time or the energy and you got other games to play, that is fine. So um, this can be either a game that's like coming out in 2022 or it can be, you know, a game that's on your backlog that you want to get to this year. <laughs> like, because boy, do I think we all have a lot of them. Um, <laughs> so what are some games you're looking forward to playing in 2022? So Makoto Fatora said Triangle Strategy, um, also Starfield, if it actually makes it out in 2022. And a Triangle Strategy is an interesting one because I feel like I forgot about it for a while. I never got to playing the demo that came out. I don't know if it's still like on the eShop, but um, that's one where like if the reviews on it are good, I might end up checking it out because like I don't think that I'm really one for strategy games, but also I really like Fire Emblem. <laughs> So I think it's just getting used to like a different strategy type game. I don't know. But yeah, that's one where I'm definitely like, I have my eye on it. I have my eye on it. And it seems like some other people do too. Um, but yeah, Starfield. I mean, I hope it makes it out in 2022. <laughs> I, I always felt that it was very ambitious to put that 11-11 release date on it um, so early. Because I think at this point, I feel like for a lot of us, at least for me, if you see like any release date, you know, for a video game that isn't within the, like, you know, five, even three months. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if that happens. Like, there's no hope around it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, really pessimistic. But um, I think it's just the norm for games to get delayed now, which is really unfortunate. And I don't think it should be like that. But yeah, I would, I would kind of be shocked if it came out this year. But you know, hopefully, because <laughs> I think it would be cool to hit that 11-11 release date, but mm, we'll see. Uh, Tolly Zoo said, I still need to finish Death Stranding, but a friend got into Final Fantasy 14, so I guess it's that time again. <laughs> yeah, I, I might go back to Final Fantasy 14 this year. I feel like it depends on if I just get, like, that craving for it again, because I never finished Heavensward, and I do want to get, like, more into it, because I did really enjoy my time that I spent with it, um, last year. But, um, yeah, we love Final Fantasy fourteen here. <laughs> and then QWERTY Kazam said Nirvana Initiative, obviously. Um, but then they also say, I got Mario Party Superstars for Christmas, but haven't had a chance to open it yet. Excited to play it with people. I hear the online is actually not bad, so I'm hyped to test it out. And actually, I, I also ordered a super no it's not it's mario party superstars um i ordered that the other day and it's gonna come in this week i think so i'm also gonna be playing some of that very exciting um but court exam also says as well as continue to play through the ace attorney games on apollo justice and i have the entire second trilogy and i'm sure that breath of the wild 2 will be a good time so i'm pumped for that as well and yeah um i also i mean i don't think i'm gonna go back and play through a lot of the ace attorney games but i do want to at least finish um the great ace attorney chronicles I'm almost done the first game. I think I'm going to do that maybe soon. I don't know. <laughs> I would like to do that soon. I would like to do that after last window because it's only one more case that I have to do. But I would also like to finish the second uh, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles this year. You know, we'll see. I I mean, <laughs> I feel like I it always sounds so bad. And I'm like, I'm going to play this game this year because it's like I know I'm not going to get to most of them probably because I just, anyway, it's fine. I'll probably just play Kingdom Hearts again. And then Matthew said Dying Light 2 or Hogwarts Legacy. I've heard rumors that Hogwarts Legacy wasn't going to be released. I'm hoping for the best though. And yeah, like I think I saw this on Twitter earlier today. I don't know if it's true, if it's just a rumor or what's going on, but I did see something saying that it was delayed to 2023 Hogwarts Legacy. So I don't, but I don't know how reliable that was because I feel like I would have, there would have been more like headlines than just that one that I saw if that was true um, or like reliable, I guess. But yeah, like, I, th I just, I feel like the Hogwarts Legacy game has such bad timing. Like, if this game came out before J.K. Rowling said all the shit that she has done and, you know, was just so openly transphobic and, like, using her platform to basically spread hate, <laughs> um, like, I feel like this game might have had a better chance. But, you know, with the way it is, like, I know I won't be playing it. And I think that goes for a lot of people. I know some people are going to play it and, like, I'm not going to hold that against you. That's your decision. But um, I'm not going to be playing it because I don't want to give, I don't want to give her money. <laughs> Obviously, she already has money. She's still going to make a ton of money off of this. But it just feels like terrible timing. Like, 
and I, I'm gonna, <laughs> this might sound really bad, I know some of y'all aren't gonna like it, but, like, I feel like Harry Potter should just die already. <laughs> um, just with, like, J.K. Rowling in general and the shit that she has said and done and all that. Like, not just the fact, and I don't want to say Harry Potter is kind of cringe, but, like, maybe a little bit. Like, I, I liked Harry Potter when I read it in, like, junior high, but, like, I don't know. I feel like it should just die. <laughs> like, I feel like this game should have been made at the beginning of the PS4 generation, and then maybe it would have had a shot. It just feels like it's too late at this point. And, like, I don't know. But, like, at the same time, I'm always amazed how Harry Potter is still so kind of ingrained in pop culture and, like, still relevant. They just did the um, anniversary thing, which, I mean, eh? But, like, not even just that. Like, I understand the anniversary thing and why people would want that. But, like, I've also been seeing, like, I was in Walmart, like, Christmas shopping. Obviously, this is a while ago. But I saw, like, kids, like, Harry Potter toys. I'm like, what fucking kids are into Harry Potter nowadays? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it just me? Like, I don't understand. Like, are, are kids still getting into Harry Potter? Like, are the current eight-year-olds? Like, I don't know. I thought it was just, I thought it died a while ago or at least has kind of faded from the public like kind of in the same way that twilight did i know that might be a weird thing to compare it to but like you don't see like fucking twilight barbie dolls in walmart anymore like i can un like okay like i can understand you know harry potter merchandise is like targeted at like teenagers or like young adults like you know you're like that stuff where it's like your hogwarts house and it's like a hat that says like slytherin or some shit on it like, I get it. I get there's a target demographic there. But, I'm like, are, like, kids... <laughs> are kids really into Harry Potter? But maybe they are, because... I Anyway, I just think it should fade from existence. And I'm sorry if I... If I just shit on, like, your favorite thing ever. Like, I understand that can be kind of upsetting. <laughs> but I think it should just fade away. Anyway, I went on a fucking rant there. Just a complete tangent. <laughs> Not even just about J.K. Rowling, but about merchandise. But anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> um, v said triangle strategy in the new Kirby game. Hell yeah. I, I, um, I'm interested in the new Kirby game. That's like, I've never played a Kirby game before, but the fact that it's like 3D and it almost looks like a 3D Mario, which, you know, is a stretch, I know, but it is more similar to that than like 2D, obviously which I'm not a fan of 2D games. I've kind of said this before. They're not my thing. Um, at least not the ones that I've played. And so, like, this kind of appeals to me, not gonna lie. Like, it looks really pretty. It looks really cute. If it gets good reviews, I might end up checking it out. And, you know, if I can, like, get it on a sale as well because Nintendo games are expensive. But, um, yeah, new Kirby game. It's cute. Um, but V also says, for older games, I'm very excited to tackle the rest of the Yakuza series and maybe some other Final Fantasy titles I haven't played, such as 5, 8, and 13. Hell Yeah. Um, I'm also want to play at least Yakuza 4 and 5 this year. It, like, it'd be cool if I could play more of them, but, like, if I could finish at least those two, I'd be happy. <laughs> also, I feel like, I feel like you might like 13B. Um, I played, god, I really hope they remaster 13, the 13 trilogy at some point, because I want to go back to them, and I want to try them again, but, yeah. Because <laughs> I played most of the original 13, but I didn't really play most, like a bit I played a bit of 13 too and I didn't play any of lightning returns so like I'd be damned to try again with like a new perspective of like being you know how, however old I will be whenever that maybe theoretically happens versus when I was like 14 when I first played 13 and like got into it so hell yeah I don't really have much to say about five and eight because I didn't I didn't vibe with eight I don't really have a desire to go back to it <laughs> but I hope that you enjoy whatever games you get to play this year V um, and then Mila, Mila says, in terms of new games, Kirby and the Forgotten Land comes to mind and Variable Barricade, but I mainly want to play through older games, including Suikoden 3, I hope I said that right, I've heard people say it before, but I can never, I don't know how to say it, um, Project X Zone 2, and a bunch of VNs like Seven Scarlet, Danganronpa 2, and White Album 2, hell yeah, I've heard the Suikoden games are really good, maybe, maybe I should check them out, um, and then Mari says Splatoon 3, I'm, I'm surprised that Mari's the only person that said that, honestly. <laughs> I thought I thought more of y'all liked Splatoon. Um, Adam says, I, the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative is my number one for sure. Obviously. Um, also, Triangle Strategy and Horizon Forbidden West and Breath of the Wild 2. Hell yeah. 
And then Bruddy, the wonderful Bruddy, if y'all aren't already following Bruddy, you should do it. Um, he just started streaming a bit more on Twitch. It's like, it's like a buddy, only there's an R and there's a V instead of a U. So like B-R-V-D-D-Y. <laughs> go follow him on Twitch. Go follow him on Twitter. Um, good friend, good friend. But anyway, Bruddy said, SpongeBob SquarePants, the cosmic shake. Okay, Bruddy. <laughs> um, and then Samuel said, Horizon Forbidden West. Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and God of War Ragnarok are up there as my most anticipated. In terms of backlog, probably most of the Final Fantasy mainline entries in the Yakuza series. Kind of similar to V there. Y'all are getting to Final Fantasy and Yakuza, but like good choices. Um, and then Mo said 2022 games, Horizon Forbidden West, Iron Nirvana Initiative. And then for backlog, Psychonauts, Psychonauts 2, Replaying Zero Escape, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and Resident Evil 8. All good choices, I feel like. Will I finish Psychonauts this year? I would like to. I would like to finish Psychonauts and, you know, play Psychonauts too. I don't know if I will, but, um, I hope you do at least. <laughs> um, and then James said Pokemon Legends Arceus, Elden Ring, Chocobo Racing, and Triangle Strategy. I'm, a lot of people said Triangle Strategy. That was a game that I just kind of forgot about, to be honest. And then at Jake A Game said, so for new games, um, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, and then for Backlog, Disco Elysium, Psychonauts 2, and maybe some older Tales games. I'm also playing some older Tales games. Um, and then Wishful Thinking, Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> I feel like it, I feel like it'll be, like, just out of 2022. Like, I feel like it'll be early 2023, Final Fantasy 16, but, like, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully it is 2022, but it's just a feeling I have. <laughs> And then Sucro says, two new games I am looking forward to are Pokemon Arceus and Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins. Both look promising to me. Oh, God, I'm, I'm very excited to see what Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins is like. I, God, I have to get a PS5 at some point so I can play it. Um, <laughs> but just have the bit that we've seen where it's like chaos and then, you know, like the Linkin Park and like, anyway. <laughs> I am, I'm very curious to see what Strangers of Paradise Final Fantasy Origins is going to be like. I hope I get to play it. <laughs> I, I feel like I forgot about it until you mentioned it. And then Stevie says, for new releases, I am beyond excited for Elden Ring. Next paycheck, I'm pre-ordering it. For the backlog, I'm going through Final Fantasy 1 through 6. Most of them for the first time and also Tales of Arise. Good, good choices. And then Andre has new Kirby. Always loved him. And now he's going on a 3D adventure. You'll love to see it. Um, Jay says, just like 2021, I likely won't play too many, too, too many, if any new releases this year. From my backlog, though, Final Fantasy VIII, Apollo Justice, and Persona 4 Golden are three I really want to get to this year. Jay, I can't remember, but if you've never played, like, any Persona 4, like, Persona 4 or Persona 4 Golden, 10 out of 10. Like, I really, that's, you should play that this year. <laughs> um, one of my favorite games of all time. I, I, like, fantastic. Uh, I really really recommend it, Jay. Um, I think you should play Persona 4. Um, but also, um, I started Kingdom Hearts in December, but I'm still playing, and then, uh, he has in brackets here, Halloween Town. Halloween Town in Kingdom Hearts 1 is probably one of the best worlds in Kingdom Hearts 1, if you ask me, at least, like, aesthetically. I hope, I hope you enjoy Kingdom Hearts, Jay. <laughs> I think I said this last time, or, like, I don't know, last time I talked to you anyway. Um, but keep me updated on your Kingdom Hearts playthrough, because I love hearing about it. <laughs> And then Nate says, I think Horizon Forbidden West will shock people with how good it's going to be. People are expecting an 88 to 90 meta score. I think it'll be 92 plus. And I don't know. I, I'm curious to see. Because, yeah, I'm kind of in that camp where I would think it would probably be between 85, 90. But also, I don't really think it's the kind of game that appeals to me. So, like, how much does my opinion matter? Um, but I hope it's good. I hope that it, like, blows people away with how good it is. I think that that would be awesome. We always want games to be good. And then Richard says, most excited for Horizon Forbidden West, Star Wars The Old Republic, Legacy of the Sith, uh, Elden Ring, Forspoken, God of War Ragnarok, and Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. Hell yeah, I'm so, I think you're, no, you're not the only one that said God of War, but you're the only person that said Forspoken, I think. I thought there was more Forspoken stands around here, but maybe not. I mean, I don't have it on my list. I think it looks cool enough, but it's one of those ones where I'm like, I'm waiting for reviews. But as for myself... Um, so for 2022 games, I mean, do I really need to say I the Somnium Files Nirvana Initiative? Like, that is, that is the top of my list. That is going to be one that I'm going to play this year. Got that collector's edition pre-ordered. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish and play that game this year as long as it comes out, but I'm, I'm confident that it will. I'm, that's one thing I'm not worried about. Even if it gets delayed, I think it'll still come out this year. But, like, if we could get a new Kingdom Hearts game, I don't know if it'll happen, but the Kingdom Hearts 20th anniversary is this year, and I would kind of be surprised if they didn't release Kingdom Hearts game. Because um, they they didn't last year. Yeah, they didn't do it last year. I, I don't know what it'll be, <laughs> but if we could get a new Kingdom Hearts game, that would be great. <laughs> But also, Chocobo GP, I really like racing games, so... Or at least I like Mario Kart and, like, Crash Team Racing. But, um, like, Final Fantasy Racing game, yeah, I'm, I want that. Also, Breath of the Wild 2, I don't know if, that, if that'll be, like, a day one buy for me, but, like, I'm probably gonna play because I really love the first one. And then for, like, any other games that are coming out in 2022, I'm kind of waiting for reviews. Um, but as for some backlog games, um, obviously Last Window, that is, like, the next on my list to play. Um, kind of like I said earlier, Yakuza, Form 5, uh, The Great Eastern Chronicles. Um, also the Ratchet and Clank series I think would be fun. Like, there are so many games I could play. Like, I have in my notes here, like, Scarlet Nexus, 13 Sentinels, Shadow of the Colossus, Uncharted 4, and Lost Legacy, Astral Chain. Like, there's, there, there's so many that I could play and that I probably won't. Like, let's be honest, I'm probably not going to play them. And there are going to be games that are not even on my radar right now that I am probably going to play <laughs> instead of the ones that are on the list that I have right now. Um, I'm probably going to play some other shit that like hasn't even entered my mind yet. So, you know, that's, I feel like that's always how it goes. As for some games that I don't even have yet, but that are like kind of on my radar, um, Tales of Berseria, also Trace Memory slash Another Code. I think Trace Memory is like the American version of it. And then Another code was like the European version of it. I don't know. But it's a DS game made by um, the same people that did, I don't know if it's like the same team, but it's like the same developer as like Hotel Dusk and Last Window. I think it's another visual novel. So I'm kind of interested in that. Um, also, I don't want to say this, but Nosia? This was at a Nintendo Direct a while ago. And it's a visual novel that kind of was giving Among Us vibes. <laughs> Um, so that's like also on my radar. I'd like to play that. I'm kind of just waiting for a sale on that one. Also Overboard. I heard that was pretty cool. Another kind of visual novel game. Life is Strange True Colors I want to play this year. I'm hoping to get a PS5 this year. So like that would be one of the first games I get for it. And also the Life is Strange Remastered Collection because the first game just holds such a special place in my heart. <laughs> so if I could replay it and have it be like so much prettier, I think that would be awesome. Um, but yeah, there are, there are so many games that I, I would like to get to, but we'll see. However, um, there isn't a topic of the show for this episode. However, um, if there is a topic of the show that you would like to see, let me know. I do have some ideas brewing. The only problem is that, like, I, I hold myself to a certain standard when it comes to, like, topic of the shows. So, like, I find it... Okay, so I have, like, some ideas... But I want to invest myself more in the games before I do them, if that makes sense. Like, one thing that's been on my mind, like, what if I did, like, an in-depth, you know, podcast about, like, Kingdom Hearts 1? That sounds great, but um, I have to replay Kingdom Hearts 1 first. <laughs> so, like, you know, just ideas like that um, where I just kind of want to delve more into things before I talk about them. But, yeah, if there are any things you would like to see, like, let me know. Or just any suggestions for the podcast in general, because, like, it's a new year, baby. I want to make the podcast better. I want to make all my content better. So let me know if there's, like, anything that you think I can improve or, you know, just something that you would like to hear me talk about. I don't know. <laughs> I am, I'm very open as long as it is, you know, not something wild. Um, <laughs> I will do my best to figure out some way to do it or, you know, whatever. I think... I'm open because <laughs> I feel bad when I'm like, there's no topic of the show because I'm like, okay, so for this episode, I was worried that I was, that it was only going to be like 30 minutes because I was like, there's not much news. I don't have a topic of the show, but I feel like just the longer that I've been podcasting, I just naturally talk more. Same with like streaming. Like I just don't shut up anymore. Like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> like I've been recording for an hour now and I didn't even have a topic of the show. Whereas like before I would have a topic of the show. And fucking, it would be, <laughs> and the episode would be like 40 minutes. Now I don't even have one and it's at an hour. So I don't know. I'm just, maybe I just ramble more. I don't know. Do you think I talk too much? <laughs> anyway, let me know if, if you have any suggestions for the podcast. Um, also leave a review. But anyway, 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Luna's Galaxy podcast. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or give me a rating on Spotify. It better be five stars or else. Um, I'll be back on Tuesday, February 1st for the next episode where we'll be discussing who knows what. If you want to be a part of the Luna's Galaxy community, you can join our Discord server and the link is in the description. Um, you can also keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch where I'm at Games. And I hope you all have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.